take your Bibles with me, if you will, and go to, go with me over to Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. And I hope that was a woe of gladness and not sadness that I heard. <laughs> uh, the Flourish uh, Ladies Women's Prayer Group is going to be here on, uh, they're going to meet here Friday night in Sanctuary at 7 o'clock. Remember our 714 Saturday prayer. Also, uh, this weekend, one of the highlights of the year, we're going to go out to the Empty Nesters at least. We're going to go out to the Bainey's Farm and enjoy a, a time of fellowship. That's going to be at 5 o'clock. If you need directions, you can find those in the foyer. Also, uh, next Tuesday, we'll be hosting the North Texas Food Bank. And so if you are able, please come out and help us. Or if you know someone who could benefit from these uh, provisions from 9 to 11 uh, next Tuesday for the distribution, if you'd like to help, we'll be there about 8.30. And if you've noticed all the traffic in our, on our campus this week, uh, it's been due to the Pastor Angel, Pastor Giselle, they have been uh, hosting, and our ministry team have been hosting the uh, Mexican consulate. And um, Pastor Angel has had a lot of ministry opportunities, and so thank you. Have two more days of that. And so tomorrow and Friday, just be in prayer that our desire is that when people come on our campus, they feel the glory of God. They feel the touch of heaven. And so please be in prayer uh, for this opportunity. Look here in Jeremiah. <coughs> You'll forgive me, I've got a little bit of allergy thing going on. I don't, I'm probably contagious, so just I'll say unclean right now. All right, let's look here, and I actually got it from my granddaughters because they like to drink in my, out of my cup, unbeknownst to me. But anyway, uh, let's look here in Jeremiah 18. I want to read here the first six verses. Jeremiah 18, the first six verses. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. There I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to make. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands, O Israel. As we look at this passage of Scripture, and as I, I have said in, in services past, and I will just say it again, that each and every time that I look at a passage of Scripture, whether Old Testament or New Testament, I overlay that with Christology. Christology is, is the, the study and the theology of Christ. And if you look at the Word of God, you will discover Jesus on every page. Now, what we're looking for is what God has done for us. That's part of the, the Christology as the study of His life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So when we look at the Word of God, we're looking through that lens because we don't want to just read historical data. We want to see Jesus on that page and what Jesus has done for us to bring us into the image of the Father that we may have the relationship with Him. But as we look at that, we look at, and what we're looking for is, Lord, what did you do for us? 
What have you done with us? What are you doing in us? And Lord, ultimately, what are you going to do through us? Because our prayer is this, Lord, give me an internal, eternal focus that I may see an external manifestation of the kingdom of God. That's a good prayer to pray. Because you need to know that God is going to take your weakness and turn them into weapons. He's going to take your tragedy and he's going to turn it into triumph. He's going to take what the enemy meant to bring you into defeat. He's going to cause victory in your life. But the Lord works through process. we got to know that process. So when we study the Word of God, and I don't believe I'm taking away from anything from the Word, but I want you to notice something here. As we look there, and this is not the message tonight, but there's a message in this. I want you to notice there verse 4. It said the clay was marred in the potter's hand. We know the potter is the God the Father. But what we see is that he made it into another vessel. We see that humanity started out, but humanity refused to stay in the center of that wheel. And what ultimately happened, humanity was marred in the hands of the Father. But then the Lord made that vessel again. There's a first Adam and there's a last Adam. There's a first Adam and there's a last Adam. And we don't see any restraints or restrictions in the last Adam. But that vessel was made a vessel unto honor, unto the Lord. But that's just a little side note. But tonight I want to look at, I want to look at it with me if you will. I need a Kleenex if you got one. Thank you. I'll just take them up here with me. So as we look at this tonight, I want us to see here. What we understand is what Jesus did for us. He came to earth. He became human. He rose again. We died with him in our sin. We rose with him in his resurrection. And we are now at the right hand of the Father with him. We're not going to take time to prove that. But I want you to look here in the word of God as we see. I'm going to talk to you tonight about what God's doing in you. What God is doing in you. And I will tell you before I start that God is shaping his image in you. Now, I'm going to go to the potter's house, and I want you to go with me. Because Jeremiah, the Lord said, I'm going to tell you, Jeremiah, you're going to hear my voice. But I want you to go in. I want you to peer in the window. Stand at the door of the potter's house. And when you stand there at the potter's house, we're going to watch the potter as he is forming the clay. And as he's forming the clay, you're going to begin to understand what I am doing, not only in Israel, but Crossroads Assembly of God. You're going to understand what God's doing in you right now. So we're going to go down to the potter's house. And as we go to the potter's house, we're going to watch the potter as he forms the clay. Potter's got his apron on. Whoever preached for me last left me a pair of shades up here. And so I'm just going to take them. There's my glasses right there. I've been looking for two weeks for those glasses. That was either Pastor Angel or Pastor Randall. Was that those yours? You don't know because they're Randall's there. Thanks a lot, brother. Couldn't find those glasses that looked everywhere told Andrew I said somebody left me a pair of sunglasses up there here babe tie this for me in a 
Yeah, I was talking about stole. Anytime something comes up missing, it's stolen, right? <laughs> it's usually where I left it last. But anyway, not too tight. I'm, I'm not, she fed me too many biscuits tonight. I can't take that. She literally did make biscuits and gravy, so. You going to claim those? Take them with you. Take them with you. Oh, okay. Uh, they're yours now. Where were we? Thank you. Just making sure you're paying attention or not. Not really. I'm trying to figure out where I'm at. So we're going to the potter's house. Now you understand about the potter. First thing he's going to do is he's going to go out and he's going to gather the clay. And get his shovel from his tool shed and he's going to go out into the into that field of clay and he's going to dig out some clay out of the ground. Now when I was a kid living out in West Texas, we lived in a county called Clay County. It had a lot of clay. I remember as a kid being out in the driveway was full of dirt. I'd dig off the, the layer of dirt and I'd dig down to get the clay and I would play with the clay and I would shape things. See, the potter would do the same thing. He would go out there, get a shovel, and he would dig up uh, a bit of clay, and then he would grab the clay, and he would bring it into his potter's house, his potter's shed, and set it first off on the, we'll just call it the kneeing table, where he set it there. Now, the potter has something in mind for the clay. The clay is totally unaware of what is about to take place. The clay is just the clay. So the clay doesn't have a real understanding as yet. And it's going to be a bit of a process to get that clay to that place where that clay understands. And still that clay may not understand until eternity. But in order for that clay to be shaped, it requires the potter's hands. It requires the potter's vision. It requires that potter doing things to that clay that's not always comfortable for that clay. He gets the clay and it's not in a pure form, so he looks at it and begins to, begins to mash and, oh, wait a minute, there's a substance in there I've got to get rid of. There's a stone there of bitterness. That's not going to go with the process. Let's get rid of that. Let's throw that over in the rock pile. Let's, let's keep massaging this. Wait a minute, there's something else. No, oh, there's a little bit of a fence. Mm, that's not going to work. Because if we put that offense on the wheel, it's just going to cause everything to ruin. And then we put it in the, in the fire, it's, it's going to cause that vessel to crack. Let's get rid of that offense. Don't shout me down. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you can be offended out of the house of God, you likely will be. Get rid of the offense. Throw it away. We always tell people don't be offensive. We need to get to the place where we can't be offended. You can't offend dead people. When people are dead, you can't offend them. I've been in funeral homes and I've done enough funerals and I've even looked at ugly corpses and made mention of their ugliness and they never responded. Okay? So if you're offended, you're not dead enough. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. All right. I think we got some stuff out of here. Let's, well, wait a minute. There's a little bit of unforgiveness. Oh, no, that's... Let's get that clay. There's a lot more than just a little bit of unforgiveness. There's a lot of unforgiveness. Mm. Let's get rid of that. Now he takes the clay, and the clay's like, man, I've been softened up by the hands. I'm a little, a 
little touch around the shoulders and the neck, and oh, you took care of that crick. Because <laughs> you understand you're the clay, he's the potter. And then he takes the clay and he, he drops it in his bucket of water. And oh, isn't it wonderful to come out of a revival service? And man, you feel the glory all over you. And you feel like, man, you could take hell on with a water pistol. You're like, it don't make any difference. I am on top of the world. Ma, look at me. The glory is all over me, all around me. I feel invincible. And then all of a sudden, kaplop. See, you're not ready for reconstruction until we deconstruct you. So we got to get you softened up. So the potter will put the clay on the ground, and then he'll step on it. Oh, he'll do. Maybe it's a Lucille Ball moment with Ethel, with Lucille in the, y'all remember that episode? Stomping out the grapes. What is he doing? He's softening up. Somebody's in this house at night, uh, and you've been feeling like uh, lower than a snake's belly because the Lord's been stomping your guts out. Say, out your Amen. Trying to get you to a formidable state. Trying to get you to a place where he can actually mold you into what he wants you to be. <clears throat> so once he gets... <laughs> Somebody knows what that means. Now, he's going to scoot his stool closer and he'll set that clay on that wheel. <coughs> now, here's the, what we need to know. In the natural, there are variables. And the variables are this. Potter's hands and that wheel and that wheel speed. And the constant in the natural is the clay. Would you agree? Inanimate object can't move on its own, can't do anything on its own. In the spiritual, the opposite is true. The constants are the hands of the potter and his wheel. His hands and his wheel, not W-H-E-L-L, but W-I-L-L, -L, his wheel is still the same. It's the constant. Now, the W-H-E-L-L, -L, we're going to look at that as circumstance. And your circumstance in the spiritual can change, but the will of God will remain the same in your life. But see, the clay in, in the spiritual scenario has the choice as to whether to stay in the center of the wheel or get off. There's only two outcomes that can take place. We can either choose to be shaped by the hands of the, of the potter, our father, or 
we can allow the circumstance to shape us. We can allow the things around us to shape us. We can allow culture to shape us. We can allow bitterness to shape us. We can allow unforgiveness and offense to shape us. Or we can choose to allow the potter to have his wheel. Now, several translations that you'll read says wheels, and the New King James actually says wheel. I just inserted the S there. Because the process of pottery has changed over the years. They went from a single wheel to a double wheel. Wheel on top and a wheel on the bottom. Then the wheel on the bottom would be the what he would control the speed of the top wheel. Because it was built on an axis. Interesting note. This is what I believe is coming out of this service tonight. You know that word wheel right there has two separate meanings? Any Bible students ever looked that up? It means not only a wheel, a disc, a stone disc that a potter would use, but it also means a birthing stool, a midwife's stool. I thought, what in the world is that? I was afraid to look it up. But I actually found some images of a birthing stool. And in Egyptian times, I believe that's where it was developed. Uh, there would be a stool where the pregnant women would go in at the time of birth. Uh, and they would sit on the stool and had a cutout. And the baby would come forth. And many times they would, you don't have to get into the graphic details. But I will tell you this. If you will stay in the center of the wheel, if you'll stay if you'll stay on the birthing stools God will birth something out of that circumstance are you seeing it tonight now we take after he had softened up the clay put it in the center of the wheel then to begin to spin I don't know about you but I, I'm not really a control freak but I don't like to be that much out of control amen I think all of us get a little freaky when we can't field and find our bearings and things because it seems like the world is going by at mock speed and you can't seem to keep up and you're getting dizzy and you want off this merry-go-round and you just want everything to stop. And you're asking God, what is happening? What's going on? Why are these things happening? And the whole time the potter is just keeps spinning the wheel. He just keeps the wheel spinning at a constant speed. My God, if we don't hear this in our times of need, we will walk away the same way that we came and we'll be marred once again in the hands of the potter because we don't understand that the potter has something in mind for us. But if I stop for a moment and quit giving credit to the devil, quit, be, quit giving credit to people around me, I get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I get to the place where I finally decide if the same thing keeps happening to me everywhere I go. It's not everywhere I go. Something is not right with me. So he spins. I don't want culture to shape me, nor this church, nor my children, nor the next generation. I don't want the dysfunction that I came into this world with 
to have one moment of shaping opportunity in generations to follow. I want it to stop here, right now, in me. So the potter puts his hands, Jeremiah, look closely. What is happening? What is happening? And that lump of clay is now starting to take shape. That lump of clay, all it is doing is staying in the center of the wheel. And allowing the hands of the potter that is unmovable in the speed in which he has chosen to shape in order to make me. And I believe in the last two years, we have been put on a fast track to the shaping of the image of God. Because it's time that we be shaped in the image of the Lord because what's really important will only matter in eternity. So now he's shaping, keeping that, that wheel spinning. He keeps that wheel spinning and he holds his hands because he has something in mind. Now I've told you this revelation before, but I believe there's somebody in this house hasn't heard it. I was in a situation where I was feeling such enormity of pressure. It felt crushing. It felt like I was going to begin to implode, explode. I was going to do something and I just, I was looking at faces. I was looking at circumstance. And at the same time, I was crying out to God, Lord, what is going on? And Lord, I was rebuking the devil out of everything I could find. Anybody ever done that? Rebuke him out of the microwave and the kitchen and the coffee pot and, and, the, and the trash can and everywhere you go, you're just rebuking the devil. So I was rebuking the devil. I was rebuking people, not to their face, but in prayer. The spirits that guided them. And controlled them. And then the Lord spoke something to me that forever changed my life. He said, son, that pressure you feel is not from the devil. My God, if you don't get this, you're not going to get it. That pressure you feel is not from other people. That pressure you feel right now is the fact that you're unreconciled to my hands. You're not reconciled to my will. And when you reconcile to my will, it'll start smoothing out. You'll start taking shape. You'll start taking the shape that I've called you to be. Because I got something in mind. I, I got something for you. Reconciled means to change a condition and a position. I, I believe God's changing some conditions and positions right now. You stop giving credit to the devil and you stop blaming everybody around you and every workplace and every boss and every spouse. You cash in that husband, you're going to get another one just like him. You go trade in that wife, you're going to get three more just like her. Because the problem's not with them, the problem's with you. You look up in the mirror, you're going to see the same old sorry cuss that was there before. Get back in the middle of the wheel. You want the circumstance to change? I promise you, whatever you left at the last church, you're going to find in this church. Come on. You found a great pastor. Guess what? You're going to find a great pastor here. You found a sorry, no goods, preaches the same message all the time and never feeds you, then you're going to find that here. 
Thank you for not shouting too loud on that one. <laughs> so he shapes that vessel. And oh, what's going to keep me in the center of that wheel? Wait a minute, i got to speed up my wheel. You're all right, you're all right, I got you. What's going to keep me in the center of that wheel? My wife tells me this all the time. Trust the designer. Trust me. It's taken me about 30 years. Didn't take me quite that long. Some, some, some husband out there knows what I'm talking about. I don't know why that wall has to be that color. Now I don't even care. Paint it whatever color you want. <laughs> I don't know why we have to have 45 pillows on the bed, but hey, praise God, I like 45 pillows on the bed now. I, I don't know why that you got to have all them flowers and all that stuff, but hey, I, I, I like it now. There's a lot of stuff I'm learning to like. You know, British drama. I love it now. I cast in my action-packed movies and I watch British. I don't know. I don't know who's shaping me, God or her. But anyway, the Lord said, it's telling you to not trust the vision. Trust the visionary. I've learned to trust my wife. Her plan, I came in today, and she's like, look at all this stuff. I moved around. I thought, that's great. None of it's mine, so I don't care. <laughs> it looked good before. It looks great now. She's forever designing. So I'm forever appreciative of the fact that she creates such a beautiful home. And see, we've got to trust the one holding us. We've got to trust the one who is shaping us. I don't understand everything God does. I don't. And I know God does not always get his will. That may be a shock to you, but God does not always get his will. Because he uses us. And there's sometimes we don't do everything we're supposed to do. It was the will of the Lord to take them straight out of Egypt right into the land of promise, but they chose not to. Let me tell you, cancer is not the will of God. If cancer was the will of God, we should all go home and pray for cancer. Do you see how ludicrous that is? But still, cancer grabs hold of lives and changes. But what I have choose, chosen is this. Though the circumstance in which I was brought up in, I did not fully understand but let me tell you, God more than compensates for every loss that I've ever had. He so abundantly puts back, and he shaped me through the midst of that. And I wouldn't take for a moment of it because I know God like I would not know him. He is my healer because I was broken. He is my counselor because my mind was so twisted. He is my peace because I was living in such a state of torment. He's my completeness because I was broken. He is my ability because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, what happens when the Lord begins to cause his hands, his word to shape us? And we start reconciling. And we don't understand and we don't even know where to stand. We just say, Lord, I've done all I can do to stand, and I will stand therefore. Lord, I know that all things work together for good to they that love you and call according to your purpose. 
And there comes a day where the shaping, the wheels start slowing down. Ah. Oh. Now you're in a frail state. But we're not finished yet. You, were, you came into this world marred. But you've allowed me to hold on to you. There's been many a times I've been on a wheel and I wouldn't let God have his way. I got to wiggling. I moved. He didn't move. He had a plan, but I wasn't trusting that plan. So what did he do? He soaked me in that water. Softened me back up. Let's go again. He kept that process going in areas of my life until finally I got to the place where I said, Lord, I'm not moving. I am not moving out of the center of your wheel. Lord, this is what I know. Two things the devil cannot deal with. Three things, actually. Number one, the devil cannot deal with a made-up mind. If you make up your mind to stay in the center of that wheel, he doesn't know what to do with you. You decide it doesn't matter. I'm not bound to any image of the world. Throw me off in the furnace. He, he didn't know how to, he don't have to deal with that. But it's more than a made-up mind. It's a surrendered heart. My heart is surrendered to the Lord because I trust him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I, I completely trust him because I am completely surrendered to the Lord. I trust in God, and so I stay there. The third thing that the devil cannot deal with because he has no iota what it means because the very the, the thing that, that he fights so much against has been extracted from him, causing him to become a reprobate. He does not know how to manage with agape love. The Lord said, there's no fear, son, in, in my love because fear brings torment. My perfect love casts out fear. What is perfect love? It's agape. I'm in love with God and God's in love with me. But the most important thing is the Lord loves us. And when I feel my love begin to diminish, I say, God, I, I just, I need your love. And Lord, no matter what I'm going through right now, everything works together for my good to they that love you. And are called according to your purpose. So I'm going to stay in the center of that wheel. You put me on the job, I'm going to stay there. You put me in the church, I'm going to stay there. You put me on the line, I'm just going to stand if they blow holes right through my, my body. I'm not moving. Why? Because I love you and I trust you. And I don't want to do this again. I don't want to pass through this way again. So now you're at that frail state, the forming. You've, you've listened to the word and you've let the word shape you. Mm, church, I believe Crossroads has listened to the word of God and the word has shaped you. Now he takes that vessel and that frail state and he brings it over and he sets it in the fire. Don't shake my hand tonight. I'm wiping snot, okay? 
you start getting off the wheel with spun. It's like, things are clearing up. I can see. I can see. The world has stopped spinning. Wow. This is great. Lord, we're done. No, we're not done yet. We got to seal the shaking. You got you to go through the fire. See, because there's something I want to put in you. But I can't put in you unless I, I seal that thing in you. He's the treasure. We're the vessel. Right now, we're waiting on the fire to do its work. What is the fire doing? It's sealing the image. It, it, it's causing all the cracks to come together. It's causing the areas that were going to possibly cause some leakage, some, some deformity. We're, we're, we've got some, see, because whenever, before he ever began to shape that clay, he put some stuff in there to harden that clay. He put some faith, he put some hope, he put some joy in there, even for the journey, and now that's going to harden that vessel. He put his love in there, he's going to harden that vessel as he has it in the fire, and it's while it's in the fire, now we're watching it. As that shape has been made, it's now starting to crystallize into form, into something that it was not before. vessel that he's going to pull out he's going to sit on his shelf because he said I've, I've got a design for this i got a purpose for this and the glory will be revealed in the purpose of it it saddens me when I look around and I see marred clay because they're unwilling to let the word of God shape them they don't trust the Father who has the real design for their life. And so we spend the rest of our life just looking for the meaning of life and never coming to the discovery because you can't discover the meaning of life until you meet life. And his name is Jesus, and he is the direct image of the Father. And what he wants to shape in you is his image so that you can have the relationship with the Father. The Father and the Son are not incongruent. They're not in discord. They are in unity and always have been and always will be. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they are always one. They're one. They are the Trinity. And God wants to bring us into that relationship if we will trust him to shape us into what we need to be. And then allow the sealing of our hearts. See, he took care of the pride issue it wasn't the removing and that bitterness and unforgiveness is that stomping can't tell you how many times that our pride can get in the way of what God, what God wants to do but see church the meaning of this message tonight is this the treasure is worth any trial we've ever gone through the pressure is not even comparable to the prize that he wants to put in us. And when he takes us, as he's brought his church, I believe, out of that, out of that furnace and sets us aside, 
He wants to fill us in every capacity of our life with what we were designed for. And that is his glory. His glory. I've told you and we have witnessed in the last couple of weeks, nothing changes the human heart like the glory of God. Nothing. See, the Lord, he's wanting us to be shaped by his word so that when he puts the treasure in us, it stays and it is poured out of us. And when the Lord, it's not that there's a, some reservoir that's going to run out. There's an endless supply of the glory of God. And the glory of God wants to pour not only in you, but through you. I don't want to live full. I don't want to live full. I want to live overflowing. I want to live overflowing the glory of God. I want to know, Father, how do we walk in the glory? I'm not interested in church as usual. I'm not interested in coming and just having a service and hearing a good illustrated sermon. I'm interested in the glory of God, feeling the vessels of God. I'm interested in God using you in every possible way for the glory of the Father. I'm interested in, in the, Shekai, the Shekinah glory the kabod, the weightiness, the splendor, the majesty of God pouring into the vessels that he has shaped, made us into. I'm looking. I'm not saying it's coming. I'm saying it's here. I'm saying the Lord is here. And the glory is here. I pray that there will be a divine dissatisfaction in your heart for anything other than the glory of God. Because when the glory comes, the call of God is automatic. When the glory comes, transformation takes place in an instant. Causes people to begin to transform Folks, hear me tonight. The things that you're going through right now, the things that you're experiencing, I'm not telling you that there's not some horrific things that are happening that are devilish, but I'm not giving the devil credit for anything in my life, good or bad, no. My question is always this, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? Where can I find you in this fog? Lord, what do you want to put in me? Sometimes he answers me. Sometimes he doesn't. But when I can feel his hands, I just trust him. I just trust him. Because I know that I know that I know. He's got my best interest in heart. And he's forming, as, as Paul said, he said, I labor. I don't know if I can quote it. Let me look, sis. I'm going to look that up if you'll turn. Wait, wait, wait. Let me give you the page number. <laughs> so I found out after the revival this weekend that I'm a kindergarten preacher, and I'm just happy about it, okay? I am who I am. Paul said in Galatians 4.19, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ 
is formed in you. Oh, the travail that you feel right now, church, is the fact that you are called to lead others and encourage them. Stay on that birthing stool until Christ is formed in you. You have a longing in your heart for your children and your children's children. You have a longing in your heart for the lost of humanity. It is that travail that we feel in the spirit that God's, that Jesus Christ is formed inside of those hearts. Tonight, I want us to stand in this room. Lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we love you. Father, we need you. Father, we love you. Father, we need you, Lord, tonight. Oh, my God, if we don't allow you to shape us, Lord, the circumstance is going to keep shaping us. Somebody tonight, you have felt an overwhelming sense of pressure in your life. The enemy keeps telling you that's me and you, you are defeated, but I'm telling you tonight that's not the enemy. That's the hands of the Father that's shaping you tonight. If you'll let the Lord, recon, if you'll just reconcile, if you'll reconcile to the potter, that pressure is my life unreconciled to the potter. That pressure on me will be the, un, the clay unreconciled to the potter. If you'll say, Lord, I surrender. I just surrender. I surrender my insecurity. I surrender my weakness. I surrender the unknown. I surrender my fear. Lord, I surrender, Lord God, my, the hurt, the offense. Lord, I surrender tonight to your will and to your word. Lord, I surrender. I promise you, God has in store for you treasure that he wants to put in these earthen vessels. But he wants a treasure that's going to remain. He wants a treasure that's going to sustain. He wants a treasure that he wants to not only pour in you, but he wants to pour through you. If this message tonight was for you, and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to surrender to your will then I want you to get out of your seat and come and find a place to kneel and begin to cry out to God. And no matter what it is and where you're at, you just say, God, I surrender. I surrender to you. I surrender to you. Now give me the strength I need, Lord, to accomplish, Lord God, just staying in the center. To stop moving and stop jumping off ship. Lord God, just give me the strength I need right now and the trust and the love. Lord, I don't want to make this journey again. I'm going to stay right there in the center, Father, of your will. I'm going to stay in the center, Lord, of your will. I'm going to hold on to your promise. I'm going to hold on, Lord God. I'm going to hold on, Lord God.